And again, everybody, thank you for being here. Um, let's get this out of the way because I've had a lot of people ask me um, if, if, you, if you're new here, you don't know, but I'm a big Ravens fan. And everyone asks me, do you think the Ravens are going to win? And I always say, no, they're not going to win today. But my hope is that we make it hurt how much they, I just hope we kill. Anyone a Bengals fan in the way here? Thank God. I don't want to have to kick anyone out of church, but I would have had to. Anyways, so, anyways, I don't, so I don't need any texts or anything after the game, all right? Unless we win, text me all you want, okay? Anyways, last week, uh, we started a brand new series called Winning the War in Your Mind. This is a series based off the book by Craig Rochelle, uh, Winning the War in Your Mind, and it's also based off the sermon series, so if you would like to know more about what we're talking about, I highly recommend you buy the book. I know a lot of you told me you already bought the book, so I'm glad you did that. Make sure if you, if you want to know more, Winning the War in Your Mind by Craig Rochelle. And last week we looked at um, a, a verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 that Paul wrote this. Here's what uh, Paul says. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. That's the word we use there, strongholds. And we'll explain what strongholds are in a minute. We demolish arguments of every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So he used the word strongholds here. And what we, just, what we talked about last week and how we defined that was the lies that we tell ourselves. The lies that we tell ourselves that make us uh, captive to our own thoughts. The lies that we tell ourselves in our minds, that we demolish those. And Because last week we learned that our mind is a battlefield. That there's a lot going on with our mind. It's a war between our thoughts of faith and our thoughts of fear. And that if we want to have a successful life, if we want to have a life, which, whichever way we want to go in life, we want to actually make it that direction. If we want to have a successful life, that we have to think about our mind. We have to put a lot of focus on our mind because, here's what we said last week, our lives always move in the direction of your strongest thought. It always moves in the direction of our strongest thought. And since our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thought, if we aren't happy with the direction we're currently going, we have to change the way we're thinking. We have to change our mindset. We have to change what we are thinking about. We have to try to demolish the strongholds that are in our mind, the lies that we tell ourselves that make us a prisoner, and we have to set ourselves free with the truth that we find in Scripture. Last week, we, we really set the groundwork for that. And today, we're basically going to pick up where we left off. And um, I, I have a story I'm going to tell you, and um, I got my wife's permission before I, I asked to tell the story. Um, well, it's not really a story, but just a, a description of my wife, let's just say, uh, when it comes to certain things. When I drive, I'm not the best when it comes to actual directions. I, get, I can kind of get lost fairly easily, especially in, like, Columbia area. I think Columbia was, because I used to live in Elk Ridge, Columbia area, and I think they designed that to get you lost. Like, it makes no sense. They, the road's names are kind of similar, and there's a bunch of circles you don't need. It's ridiculous. Anyways, so... I've lived around the Columbia area my whole life, but yet I can't, I still have trouble figuring it out, so, if, unless I do my GPS, so, but my wife is better when it comes to directions, so, a lot of times, I'm dependent on her, and I'll ask her, hey, which way do I need to go, or if we're going someplace I've never been, she's like, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you, but here's the problem when I'm dependent on my wife for directions, two things, one, she forgets to tell me all the time, all the time, I need to turn somewhere, she just forgets, I have to get off an exit, she forgets. And I don't want to be the guy the whole time driving, like, hey, do I go now? Do I turn off here? I want to be patient. So I will sometimes, and I don't know if this is me being patient or spiteful, sometimes I'll pull up to a stop sign, I can't go anywhere, and I'll just wait. And, I'll, and then she'll be like, what? I'm like, well, what are, you have to tell me. And like, that, that causes some fights sometimes. And then here's another problem. Here's another problem that we have sometimes, and I asked her if I could say this. My wife gets her lefts and rights mixed up. So... Here's what happens. Let me tell you what happens a lot when we drive. We pull up to a stop sign. I wait. We 
because I don't want to be like, hey, you're supposed to be telling me. She said she'd tell me. And then she goes, oh, what are you doing? I was like, oh, I, I don't know where to go. She said, all right, go left. So then I'll turn left, you know, left. Left for you guys. And she'll go, where are you going? I'm like, I went left. She said, no, I didn't mean that. I meant, no, I meant the right. It's like, well, you didn't, you didn't say that. You said left. She said, yeah, you know what I mean. And I'm like, no, Erica, I don't know what you mean. When you tell me to go left and I go left, she go, and I was, you know the L, she's like, no, because they both look like L's to me. I'm like, no, one's a J. There's not two L's. So here's what has happened with my wife when it comes to her lefts and rights. In her mind, her wires have gotten crossed to a point where she just cannot figure it out anymore. It's just, it's too late. And I do that sometimes with, like, names. There's people that I'm like, I thought your name was this, but for some reason in my head, I think it's this. And it's my wires are crossed, and I always have trouble with the same name because my wires just crossed. It's a simple thing. And all of us have that in our minds where something happens where our wires are crossed, and it should be something that you understand, or it should be something you just naturally know how to do, but yet you don't because our wires are crossed. We all have it. Maybe for you, it's, it's a little more serious. Maybe you plan on saving money. It's in your head. You're going to plan on saving money, yet you continually spend all your money. Your wires are crossed. You know what you're supposed to do, but you just don't do it. You do the opposite. Maybe you plan on being patient with your kids. You're like, I'm going to start being patient. And then instead, you just yell at them all the time. Your wires are crossed. Maybe you plan to trust God, but your wires are crossed, and instead you just worry constantly. Our wires are crossed. We know what we want to think. We know what we want to do. But yet sometimes we just do the opposite, and we don't even know why. I like how Paul says in Romans, he says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And I'm like, Paul, I get you. I understand this exactly. We get our wires crossed. And when it comes to our thinking, many of us have had our wires crossed. And here's what I've learned. Our experiences, they develop our wiring. That however your mind works, it's really based on your experiences. In seminary, they, they taught me about um, the Wesleyan quadrilateral, and you probably don't know what that is, but John Wesley discovered that we all develop our faith not through just one avenue, but through four is what, how he described it. Basically, here's what John Wesley would say when it comes to the Wesleyan quadrilateral and how we all develop faith. It's like a stool, and the top of the stool is Scripture, that our faith should be based on Scripture, what we read in the Bible. But that's not the only way we develop our faith. It's just simply not. There's three different legs that support that. The first one is tradition, how you grew up, the, how you, what you were taught, the practices that came before us. Whether you agree with it now or not doesn't matter. The tradition you had has, has influenced what you believe today. Number two, the, 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 the second stool or the third thing that really develops our faith is reason. It's how we understand the essential truths of Scripture. It's it's sensible, thoughtful approach on things that we believe. And then the last one that John Wesley would say that develops your faith, that develops all of our faith, is our experience. Until we experience it personally in our own lives, we will not fully embrace it. Our personal encounter. So you might believe in Scripture. You might believe in Scripture. You might have a tradition that you still believe in. You might have reason why it's logically correct. But if you haven't experienced God's word, if you haven't experienced God for yourself, then most likely you're not going to stick with your faith. That all four of this have to be experienced, develops, our wiring. Our experiences are so important. They, they shape who we are and what we believe. And it's not just our faith, but it's what you believe about yourself. Maybe for you, you were bullied as a kid and you were called ugly as a kid. So now today, you have trouble believing that you're attractive. Or maybe you focus too much on your looks because of the experiences that you had. Maybe you grew up poor, so now you overvalue money. 
now money is number one priority because you know what it has to not have a lot. That's your experience, so now you overvalue money. Maybe you had a bad relationship with your parents, and because of that, it's caused you to be a great parent or not a good parent. Your experiences develop who we are, develop what we, our experiences develop our wiring. It shapes our wiring in our heads. Sometimes that's a good thing, sometimes that's a bad thing. So if there is a stronghold in your mind, a lie that you continually tell yourself, stuff like, I'm not good enough, or I will never measure up, or I'll always be what people say I am, it's most likely some kind of experience that you face that developed that wiring in your head. My stronghold that I talked about last week, that I feel like a fraud and that I'm not qualified and that you guys are going to figure me out at some point that I'm not qualified to be the pastor here, that, that, that stronghold that I have in my life, it comes from my childhood of feeling like I didn't measure up and feel like I wasn't the best at any sport or I wasn't the smartest kid. It comes from my experiences. Our experiences develop our wiring. And if our wires are crossed, as in you want to believe something, but you have trouble believing it, you, you know it's a lie, but you can't get past it. You, you want to go this direction, but your mindset, the lies you tell yourself that have made you a prisoner is, is, a, is preventing you from going there. If our wires are crossed, then we have to do something about it. If our wires are crossed, you have to intentionally uncross them. You can't just allow it to happen. You can't just hope, well, it'll, I'll eventually figure it out. You have to intentionally work on your mindset, on what you think, in order to uncross them. Here's what it's kind of like. Um, I have this rope here, and every year when I, um, when I put the, the Christmas lights away, um, you would think one year I'd learn, but I've learned that my biggest enemy is past Eric. Past Eric does not care about me, okay? Past Eric always sets me up for failure, and every year when I put the Christmas lights away, it's like I'm just tired, and I just shove them in there, and I did it again this year, a couple weeks ago, and I know that the, this, the Eric in December of this year is going to hate what I just decided to do, because it comes out, it's all bundled up, and we're trying to get it all figured out. Maybe you have extension cords, and you're like, it's just a mess. Every time we do this, if, if some of us wrap the cords, and they're nice, if Frank wraps them, then we got to undo them, they're all messed up, right? So that happens for all of us. Let's say you take this, and, and for some of us, this is what our mindset looks like. This is our mind, our wire's just been crossed, and what we tend to do is we think, well, um, if I, I, it, it'll just work itself out. I'll just keep going, and I'll keep going, and we keep pulling and pulling. I should have got a smaller rope for this. Um, we keep pulling and pulling and pulling, thinking that eventually, if we just keep doing life, it'll eventually get uncrossed. It'll work itself out. What we're really doing, if you know this, if you try to do an extension cord or anything else, we're making it tighter. We're making it harder to undo. All of a sudden now, what we were hoping would just be like work itself out is actually more stuck in our head than ever before because we just kept thinking it was going to work itself out. The only way to undo this is I would have to go in and intentionally work the whole thing out until it's eventually straight again. It will not do it by itself, especially when we just keep pulling and pulling and pulling. If your wires are crossed in your head and there's these lies you can't stop believing, you can't just hope that it's going to work itself out. You can't just hope that, you know what, one day as I get older, one day as I get more mature, as my experiences change, as, as I get a little more mature, as my kids move out or whatever else, as one day when I'm not working as hard, our marriage will be a little better. That's you pulling this and thinking it's eventually going to get better. It doesn't get any better. That We have to be intentional. You have to intentionally uncross them. If your wires are crossed and you are held captive to the lies that you believe in your mind, you have to intentionally uncross them. If you want to change your direction in life, you have to change your thinking. And if you want to change your thinking, you have to uncross your wires. So how do we do that? You say, that sounds good. And here's, what, here's the biggest takeaway I, I can give you when it comes to how we do this. Focus on what you put in it and what you do with it. 
When it comes to your mind, focus on what you put in it and what you do with it. Let's say um, that you feel that you are fairly unhealthy and you decide, I, I want to make a change, so I'm going to hire a physical trainer. And I'm going to get a physical trainer who's going to help me become the healthiest version of myself. Here's what that physical trainer is going to do to get you on the right track. They're going to do two things. They're going to make an exercise routine that works for you, and they're going to work on your nutrition, right? They're not just going to say, hey, just work out a lot and you'll be fine. They're going to say, no, we're going to work out, and I also want to be careful what you're eating and what you're putting into your body. It matters both. Focus on what you put in it and what you do with it. If they just said, hey, just work out, that's not going to be enough. Or just watch your nutrition, that's not going to be enough. You need to focus on what you do put in it and what you do with it. So let me ask you if any of these sound familiar to you. Maybe for you struggle with worry and anxiety and fear. So what do you do? You watch every true crime drama you possibly can. You listen to every podcast about every serial killer you've ever heard. Thinking it's going to get better, right? What are you doing? Making it tighter. All of a sudden, now it's a little tighter. Maybe for you, you struggle with comparison. You struggle with what people look at you. So what do you do? You get on social media. You make sure you post the best possible picture. You look at the highlight reel of everybody else thinking that's going to make you feel better. You're making it tighter. You're making your wires cross even more. Maybe you feel like it's all on your shoulders. You have a burden on your shoulders. So what do you do because it's all on your shoulders? You work as hard as you can. You work 50, 60, 70 hours a week because it's all on you. You got to make sure you keep working harder and harder and harder. You're crossing it even more. Focus on what you do with it and what you put in it. What you do with your mind and then what you put in it. Here's what in the, his letter to the church in Philippi. Here's how Paul says it. In Philippians chapter 4, it says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it in practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So what do you put in it? Paul says, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, and admirable. And then what do you do with it? You put it into practice. You start applying it into your life. Focus on what you put in it and what you do with it. And there's one spiritual discipline that I think helps us with our rewiring more than any other spiritual discipline. One, most of them, all of them will, but there's one specifically that if you feel like this, and you've been pulling, 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 there's one spiritual discipline that I think will help the most. And it's one that we do the least. In fact, it's one that some of us think we're not allowed to do. That's called meditation. Right when I said that, some of you went, wait, wait, wait. I grew up in a church has said, I'm not supposed to meditate, because that's like that Eastern religion, that's what the hippies do to be one in the universe. I'm not supposed to meditate, it's not what we're supposed to do, and I, and I get that. But in scripture, we hear about meditation constantly. In fact, I'll give you a bunch of verses, especially in Psalms. He repeats, David talks about meditation, and the psalmist talks about meditation all the time, but Joshua 1, 8 says, keep this book on the law, of the law on your lips, meditate on it day and night. Psalms 1, verse 2 says to meditate on the Lord's law day and night. Psalm 19, 14 says, May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Psalm 119 says, I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. Even Paul says that we should transform our thinking by renewing our mind. Here's the difference between what some of us think of meditation, like the Eastern meditation and biblical meditation. Eastern meditation talks about just emptying your mind. You just need to make sure you get everything out of your mind as possible. Here's what they say. I actually watched a, a little thing on, 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 uh, on Eastern meditation. And, it's, and you try to empty your mind so that your mindset can go into an alpha wave and then eventually a sleep wave, which makes you tranquil and not alert. It almost makes you sedated. And then what happens is your partial lobe will go down 
which makes you forget that you're in the three-dimensional space and you become one with the universe. That's not what the Bible tells us to do. That's emptying your mind. Biblical meditation is filling your mind with God's truth. That's what biblical meditation is. It is filling your thoughts with the truth of who God is. It's asking God to fill your mind with your secret thoughts, with the sins that you haven't realized, by confronting your weakness and sins in order to love God more. It is concentrating and focusing on God's truth. It is fixing your thoughts on him intentionally. That's meditation. Biblical meditation is to focus on one's thoughts. When I say the word focus, you might think, there's my problem. I have a lot of trouble focusing. I can't stay focused. And I, listen, I understand it. There's times when I write my sermon, and um, if I'm, like, completely focused, I can probably get my sermon written in an hour, maybe two. The problem is my phone goes off sometimes, and I have to check that. And sometimes I, I crave coffee, so I need to go make that coffee, and then I got to bring it back down. And sometimes I go on YouTube to find a, a sermon illustration, and then I'll find, like, top ten box office bombs of all time. It's like, I got to watch that first before I do my sermon. So before you know it, I'm, I'm five hours into a sermon because I cannot focus. So if you're here and you're like, I, I have trouble focusing, I get it. But here's what I've learned. Focus is a skill you can develop. You can develop it. Um, Dr. Tracy Marks talks about how our mind's wandering and, and how to stay focused. And uh, she explained that the part of our brain that is responsible for our mind's water, wandering is the default mode network. Default mode network. So when you aren't actively thinking about something, your brain's default state is to think about something in it in the past or maybe a little bit of your present. That's just what it does. And when you let your mind wander, it's called stimulus-independent thought. So when you turn your attention to something, your default mode will turn off, and you'll focus on whatever it is you're trying to focus on, your, your work or whatever it is. But then once you stop, it will go back to that default state. For those of you that struggle with anxiety, you have an overactive default mode. So you aren't thinking necessarily about nice, creative productions, but instead, you're thinking more self-critical things. And we, that would be called, in scientific terms, rumination. Rumination is normally negative. We, we get this negative material from our default mode. So let me give you an example, because I know there's a lot of science I just gave, it, gave to you. You're busy working, and you're focused on what you're working, and then at some point, your mind's not occupied anymore. You have a second, your mind's not occupied, and then you think about something. You're like, oh, remember that friend of yours who treated you badly? That wasn't, that wasn't right. All of a sudden, your mind goes, starts wandering off to that. That was, that was right. That, that's messed up. Then your phone rings. You stop thinking about that thought. You focus on what you're doing, and then you hang up, and your mind goes right back to it, like, yeah, remember that? Yeah, I hope he's dead, or whatever you think, right? I, I hope he's, I hate that guy. That's what we do. That's what our mind does. Maybe, I mean, it's not my mind, it's your mind. I'm talking about your mind. I don't do that. Our default, our default mode network can distract us, and some more than others, but research has shown that when you can change your default mode, that you can change your wiring through neuroplasticity, which your brain, it's your brain's ability to rework itself to rewire itself to new experiences. And here's what's fascinating. Uh, this doctor, who is not a Christian doctor by any means, secular doctor, gave two recommendations. If you want to change your focus, here's the two recommendations she gave. First one is change your diet. Specifically, she recommended fasting. That fasting is a good way to rework and rewire. And the second one is meditation. And I heard it, I went, you mean the stuff Jesus told us to do? Like, that's what you're telling us to do? It's weird how that works. So we should Change our diet and specifically fast consistently and meditate. And when you do that, it will change your focus. Now, if you're like most people, you would think, okay, you're telling me to meditate. I've never done that in my life. I have no clue how to even start doing that. that does, I don't even know where to begin 
with that. And I'm, today I'm going to give you a starting point. Last week we, we asked these two questions, and we'll, we'll review these questions. But number one, what is the stronghold that is holding you back? And number two, what truth demolishes that stronghold? We talked about that last week. If you weren't here last week, I recommend you listen to the podcast or the sermon. What is the stronghold that is holding you back? What's the truth that demolishes that? The things that you struggle with, the lies that you keep telling yourself, what is that stronghold that is holding you back? And then what is the truth in God's word that will demolish that? I want you to think about that, okay? Once you've answered both of those questions, once you've been able to figure out, okay, here's the lies I keep telling myself that I struggle with, and here's what God's word says that destroys that lie. Once you've figured out those things, here's what I want you to do. Write it, think it, confess it until you believe it. Write it, think it, confess it until you believe it. What is the truth that destroys the stronghold in your mind? Write it, think it, confess it until you believe it. In the book, Winning the War in Your Mind, Craig Rochelle gave some great examples of this, of, of a stronghold that we might have and what you can write down. Here's, here's what Craig Rochelle writes. And Frank, you can start coming up. Maybe for you, you struggle to know God's will. That is your stronghold. That's what you struggle with. Maybe for you, you write something like this. My life belongs to God. Daily I seek him, and daily he directs my steps. I know his voice, and he leads me to perfect, his perfect will. Write it, think it, confess it until you believe it. Maybe your stronghold is you lack confidence. Just lack confidence. Maybe you write something like this. My confidence is in Christ and Christ alone. Because his spirit lives within me, I can do everything he calls me to do. Write it, think it confess it until you believe it. Maybe your stronghold is you fight lustful thoughts. You might write something like this. I'm not a slave to lustful thoughts because God has purified my mind. I will honor him with my eyes and thoughts. My God is faithful. Even if I am tempted, he will always give me a way out. Write it. Think it. Confess it until you believe it. Maybe for you, you battle worry. And you think, you might need to write something like this. Because of Christ, I am not anxious about anything. I cast my cares on God because he cares for me. I have the peace of God dwelling in my heart and ruling my mind. Write it, think it, confess it until you believe it. Here's some of the strongholds that, um, that I, I talked about some of these, but I'll give you a couple more that I've, uh, I've been struggling with. I talked about it earlier, but I constantly feel like a fraud constantly feel like I'm not good enough. Constantly feel that way. That's a stronghold of mine. Um, I also, another thing that I, that I struggle with is I constantly like to make things about me and I like to seek attention. One time I was at um, a, a pastor retreat. There was like 30 other pastors. They're doing a, this thing where it's like, hey, if this is you, stand up and everyone would stand up and you'd point at then. At one point, so the, the illustration was, hey, if you're a person who uh, likes to be the center of attention and everyone will look at you, stand up. And I was the only one that stood up, which actually is kind of good for me because that's what I like. So I was like, hey, this is great. But I constantly, that's something that I, I, I constantly fight with. I, I don't mind being the center of attention. And in fact, sometimes I prefer it. And that can be a bad thing where I make it all about me. It's a stronghold of mine. Maybe if, and for me, uh, a stronghold, I've talked about this many times, but I've struggled with lust my entire life. Since middle school, the first time I looked at things I shouldn't have, to today, I've struggled with lust my entire life and I'll struggle with it forever. It's something that, that's a stronghold of mine. Another stronghold, I get, uh, I get jealous of people. I get jealous. I get jealous if somebody has more money than I do, has a better car than I do, 
Um, I get, I have a lot of friends that are pastors. It's easy for me to get jealous if their church is bigger. Like, it's easy. So jealousy is, is a stronghold of mine. The last one, I constantly feel like I'm not patient enough as a dad. Constantly feel that way. And I constantly feel like I'm not loving enough as a husband. Stronghold. So here are my declarations. Here are the declarations that I wrote this week based on the spiritual truth that sets me free. Here is what I wrote. Here's what I've been meditating on. Here's what I wrote. Write it, think it, confess it till you believe it. Here's what I wrote. I am able because God is able through me. I am not in control, but the God that has a plan for me is. By the help of the Holy Spirit, I will love my wife by serving her, putting her first, and honoring her with what I look at and what I put in my mind. I am a patient father who will make it as easy as possible for my kids to know the perfect Heavenly Father by the way I love them. I know that I have all that I need. I am blessed beyond measure. It's not about me. It's about Him. Less of me, more of Him. This week, I want you to write it, think it, confess it until you believe it. And I wanted to close today not just by me sharing my declarations, but by other people sharing theirs. So as we close today, I've asked some people to do the homework assignment early. And they're going to take a moment to share what they wrote, their declaration, based on the strong ones that they have personally, the declaration that they have in there. I am fully satisfied in Christ. He has richly blessed me, and I trust in his provision. I submit to God's calling and serve him wholeheartedly. I am focused. I am equipped. I am successful. I am a joyful wife and mother. I encourage, give grace, serve humbly, and love deeply. My faith is stronger than any doubt or trial. I fix my eyes on eternity. The peace of God guards my heart and mind. I don't appreciate my brother making me cry before I come up here. <laughs> um, okay. I am enough as a wife, mom, daughter, sister, and friend because of who God says I am. My value exceeds pearls. I'm sorry. I am brave and strong because the Lord my God is with me wherever I go. I was chosen when God planned creation. I am not a mistake. I have been spoken for. God loves me deeply, and his thoughts towards me are countless. I will have a positive future because of God's love for me and my intention to keep his word and spirit alive in my life. My life belongs to God. Daily I must trust his will and place my worries in his hands. I will succeed in life because God walks with me and he works through me and he's with me even when I doubt he is there.
I am able to complete my studies. God is with me and with all things are possible. I am able to turn away from the hurtful things in my life and towards God's words for comfort and wisdom. I am able to get through whatever is heading my way because I put the armor of God on each day daily and draw nearer to him. I am good enough. I am made in God's image and he made me to be unique. By drawing nearer to him, I become the best version of myself. I am a patient wife and mother. I lead by God's example and raise my children up to be guided by our Lord and our Savior. I am able to look in the mirror and see myself through God's eyes. You are near. I am not abandoned. You have not left. I am not forsaken. I am only satisfied in you. You must become greater. I must become less. You are the vine. I am the branches. I will abide in you and you in me. Apart from you, I am nothing. I seek rest in my God and do not seek comfort in the things of this world. The world takes, but God gives me life. My family history of generational strongholds stops with me. God has equipped me to break chains. I am a loving father and have created a culture in my home rooted in God's truth and love. I encourage and discipline my children in a godly way that will benefit their relationship with God. I am a gentle and kind husband who lays down my life to protect, provide, encourage, and lead and love my wife every single day. Some of you might be thinking, with the people that came up here, it's like, wow, that takes a lot of courage and vulnerability. And it does. And I appreciate all of you for doing that. But if you want to rewire your mind, you're going to have to be vulnerable. You're going to have to be. You don't have to come up here and do it. You need to be vulnerable with somebody. And take those thoughts and the struggles that you have in your mind Figure out the truths that, that combat those strongholds, the truths that attack those lies that you tell yourself, that you made yourself a prisoner to. And when you figure out those truths, write it, read it, confess it until you believe it. Keep doing it until you believe it. Take some quiet time. Continually read over what you wrote. This week, we get ready to close today. I want to encourage you. Whatever their strongholds are that in your mind, write down the truth that sets you free from the mindset that has kept you a prisoner. And each day, write it, read it, confess it until you believe it. Let's pray. You gotta thank you that you are the God who has a plan for us, has a purpose for us, that no matter what we've done, no matter how much we've struggled, no matter what our past looks like, that, that you have a plan for us, and that you love us, and that we have hope in you. God, I pray for all of us in this room, the strongholds that we all have, because we all have them, the mindsets that we have that we are constantly fighting against, that you give us the courage and the strength 
to remind ourselves of the truth of your word, the truth of who you say we are, to make those declarations, to be vulnerable with ourselves, to be vulnerable with the people close to us so that we can declare today who we are in you. Not who we think we are, not what people tell us we are, but who we are in you. Thank you for loving us exactly as we are and for encouraging us to grow to look more like you. God, I pray that you help us to set ourselves free from the strongholds in our mind so that we can live in the truth of who you say we are. In your son's name, amen. Let's stand, let's sing this closing song together.